Then there's the taking action part. And that's where everyone stops, right? They just take yep. action. They, they don't inspect. They don't look at what's going on. They don't have a long-term view. And then it doesn't work after like a couple weeks and they just move on to something else. If you are not getting educated about housing market conditions as an attorney, a mortgage finance professional, you're entitled, you're an accountant, or clearly a real estate agent, you're doing yourself and your client base a disservice. This is the Knowledge Brokers Podcast. I'm Tom Tool here with Lisa Chinati and Byron Lazine. They couldn't replace me with Logan Motoshami two weeks in a row, so I got my spot back magically, which is fantastic. Um, you guys didn't cover this last week, I don't think. The DOJ proposing an end to seller paid commissions in the great state of Massachusetts. Lisa, I want to get your take on this in a second here. Thursday evening, the DOJ of last week filed a statement of interest. So just to be clear, this is not like a ruling or a change. It's, a, it's an objection filed based on the settlement in the Nozilex suit, which was affiliated with the MLS PIN, a brokerage-owned MLS. And the short of it was this would prohibit sellers from making commission offers to buyer brokers at all, according to the DOJ, in a statement as reported by Real Estate News. Lisa, I want your take on this first, because this is your state. Massachusetts isn't the most business-friendly state. It's just a fact, no, no, not good or bad. Obviously, Lisa 100%. has a big business up there. This is a big deal because it's different than a commission lawsuit. This is the DOJ who can enact change a lot quicker. Yeah, totally. So I, it's been interesting because there's been very little communication that's come from MLS PIN, um, which I found fascinating, but definitely... I think we all knew it was coming, at least those that are somewhat connected um, within the space. Um, interestingly, I was a part of some text conversations last night. We've we've had offers of zero buyer agency commission for several months now, so it's not a brand new change. And I think on the pod, we've even been kind of talking about it with some of the things that agents should be doing. So we've been enacting those for the past couple of months. I. I think it's just a matter of time. And then I think we've all just got to be super ready to adjust and adapt. I don't think that in my mind's eye, I don't think there's any way things remain status quo. I think change is coming. It's time to really kind of admit it. Um, timeline, I wouldn't be surprised if we see something start to shake out in the next 30 days. Um, that might be a little bit on the quicker side, but I can see MLS pin was one of the first to settle. Um, to try to settle the case when it was originally filed before um, Burnett and Sitzer, anything happened there. So my gut says MLS PIN is going to want to try to move things forward and kind of remove some of the uncertainty that's kind of shaking out, out there right now. When when you say the next 30 days, you don't mean DOJ decision is going to... No, but I, yeah. I think we're going to see MLS PIN start to make some changes. Um, and the full extent of what those changes are or will be, I think I'm a little bit gray on still. Um, but I do think, you know, I just kind of listening to what's going on with some of our conversations and even marketing coming from across the country. Um, I think mm -hmm. agents are starting to adapt to it in... It, strong ways. I think, you know, we're seeing marketing come out um, uh, around all of it. Uh, in mass, we got the postcards. I know they're kind of dropping state by state, but we got the postcards. I know you did too, Tom, kind of yes. going I, out to I all got homeowners. One. Okay. Don't, don't count me out like you guys count me out on those mastermind calls. I also, <laughs> I, I got a You postcard. can thank Tom Ferry for that one because he sent <laughs> yeah. the invite. 
Um, and, and, and so somebody got an email, um, somebody sent me an email that they received. So they're, they're sending in multiple ways. Mm -hmm. Let us know in yep. the comments if you got one, but go ahead, Lisa. Um, so, you know, I think with all of that coming out, we're definitely starting to hear it from consumers. We're definitely, I don't have an exact count because we can't sort by it, but there are zero comp listings offered in MLS pin in Massachusetts right now. And it's, you know, historically, if we had that, yeah, a couple of year, but I think we're going to see it uh, really start to take off. We're hearing it in our listing conversations. And then, like I said, just watching marketing that other agents are putting out both locally and nationally saying, I am the brokerage that is not going to charge a buyer agency commission. Um, we're, we're seeing those advertisements on the up for sure. With, yep. With with high end real estate companies, these aren't fly by night discounters. These are people that are you know have have historically handled the people that want all the all the service and want the full package. Keep going. Yeah. Well, and I think that uh, I I think that that's kind of indicative of where we're going to go. And I think it's just super important that we all start to understand what that looks like. Come up with strategies and marketing plans and that kind of stuff for the listing side, right? I think it is going to be the day where. Sellers are going to choose to pay for the services. I think sellers are going to want the services. I don't think seller commissions are going to totally go away, but I think. Oh, we're not in any, not in any case. Yeah. Um, and it's going to be more and more. The onus is going to be pushed to the buyer and the buyer agent to have that same negotiation that the seller and the seller agent are having. And buyer agents need to be aware of what the value are. So just like those listing agents are saying, we're still going to do the high-end marketing. We're still going to do photography and videography and all of that stuff. I think buyer agents just need to start thinking about, it's not just you're going to call me when you want to see a house, but what are buyer agents going to do as their value? Are they going to be circle prospecting? Are they going to be looking for off-market opportunities? It's not just going to be their ability to write an offer anymore. And I think it's super important that agents start to embrace that. Are, are they going to be white glove service that educates them, not just on the property at hand, mm -hmm. but all of the factors, you know, what's the neighborhood like, what's the community like, what are the introductions uh, to the local leaders and to the vendor list? There, there's all these different things that a great buyer agent can do. Um, if they're, if they're really trying to, to add that type of value. Yeah, I think the interesting thing with the the advertising that we're seeing for some of the listing side is saying uh, buyers can come direct and there is no additional commission. And I think that that's going to be an interesting thing as we navigate what does it look like with dual agency? And I, I know the three of us all have strong feelings about dual agency. Um, I have strong feelings, but I also have concerns as somebody who pays for errors and omissions insurance and deals with the ramifications personally of deals that go slightly sideways. And that's the, I'm okay with the messaging that, you know, we're going to deliver high service that we're not going to necessarily compensate a buyer agent. I think we need to, to tread lightly on come direct and there's no additional cost. Cause I think it's going to end up with some issues long, longer term with the dual agency kind of that just becomes a result of that. We know that in 2024, your business operations will be more important than ever. Once I figured this out, my business was able to scale and take off. See, generating leads is one thing, but getting that deal across the finish line while keeping everyone happy is another story. Enter Mosaic. Everything you need, once a lead becomes a client, Mosaic picks up where CRMs leave off to streamline the client experience 
and maximize your productivity. It's the operating platform that gives agents and teams everything they need to stay organized and proactive throughout the entire transaction process and beyond. Transaction management, forms, AI-powered collaborative search, client retention capabilities, and advanced analytics for your business. In other words, you can use Mosaic to create a powerful flywheel for your business. It will help you close every deal, boost your profitability, and generate more repeat and referral business. If you need a better way to run your business, check out the link below and learn how Mosaic can help you today. Well, and, and have you ever gotten like the call, Lisa? I'm sure we all have like, hey, I'm calling you as the listing agent because I know I can get a better deal, right? You hear that a lot yeah. from buyers. And historically, and this isn't always the case, historically, I find those people, they push the envelope and they go right to the line and they, they almost try to compromise your confidentiality and fiduciary responsibilities to the listing agent. And they're, they're asking questions that you wouldn't answer for another agent. So I think you gotta be really careful there because the people that do that are doing that for a reason. And you know, everyone's trying to get an edge. It's a competitive market. I get that. But historically, let's look pre 2020, the, 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 the consumers that would call and make those phone calls, I found them typically extraordinarily difficult to deal with and difficult to get to the closing table. And right. that's what sellers could be opening themselves up to. I think it's that. And it's also, I, I also go back to where does the fiduciary responsibility lie? And I think that that's an important one. Just, you know, those conversations that happen between seller and agent with what is the amount of money that they will accept. And in some markets, right. And not necessarily, I think any of the three of ours, I think we're still working in a heavily uh, low inventory market where days on market and multiple offers, days on market are still low, multiple offers are still the norm. But in some markets where days on market are starting to creep up, they're, again, not saying that it will happen, but it does open up the door for the agent who just wants to get that deal done, right? To be able to disclose maybe some information that shouldn't necessarily be disclosed and wouldn't be disclosed if they weren't representing both sides. In a market, because I've we've been in markets that have been extremely high inventory and sellers get anxious. They get rattled easily as months wear on them of being mm -hmm. on the market. When we see a market, not anytime soon, but in the, you know, somewhere in the future, you will see that market come back where there's high days on market. Do you anticipate sellers, you know, say this gets decoupled and DOJ does not allow for compensation to be offered in the MLS to a buyer, are sellers going to be put? Well, I want that. <laughs> well, sorry, it's it's a rule. You can't have it. You know, because sellers will try to. Get, sometimes I've seen sellers. I'll throw in my car for the agent that brings the best offer. I'll give a ten thousand dollar bonus uh, right. to the buyer agent on top of the commission that I'm offering. You know, sellers in a market like that start to offer the world. I saw it in 12, 13, 14. percent. Mm -hmm. So that they'll be pushing listing agents to do these types of things. And the agent might be handcuffed in that world where DOJ uncouples this and doesn't and makes it law where you can't actually offer that comp in the MLS. Well, it's interesting. I don't think it's an if. I think it's a when. Um, right. That's my yeah, take. I, 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 I agree, I'll agree on that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think it's just a... I don't know. I like to think that there'll be some ways that in those situations, or maybe don't necessarily like to think, but I think agents will find a way, whether it's putting it into the public 
public remarks or whatever else where it maybe disappears as a search or how does it's not Do a search box but it's a, a highlighted area should a seller have the option to sign a waiver and say i want to be able to offer this comp Absolutely. I mean, it's a free yeah. market, right? And I think that's kind of the same issue that we run into now where like the clear cooperation rule, the, the NAR says what you can and can't do with your house. Well, hey, NAR, it's my fucking house. I'm going to sell this the way I want to. Like, I mean, you're, you're, you're impeding on rights here at some point. I mean, I think there, there, there's going to be a, a question about this and I'm not an attorney. None of us are, but a seller should be able to do that. It's no different than the waiver they have to sign to hold it off the MLS while you get photos done and, and, and all these other things. So it's it this is where this is going to be problematic and i think there's a lot of questions about this i met with my attorney uh yesterday regarding this and you know, we're talking about it on the buyer side right like so there's probably going to have to be some financing laws that change to allow for compensation to be rolled in as a seller's assist or a seller's concession because how many times have you two seen a buyer they go to their max no they have no cash left like they, they you know they have stuff in retirement and other places but they've exhausted their entire cash budget on a purchase and they're not going to be able to afford a commission on top of that. So th there, there's a lot of things that are going to be impacted here. I think Lisa brings up a lot of great points. And like, who's to tell the seller what to do? You own a house free and clear. You can't sell it the way you want to. Yeah, I so, read one other one that I was interesting. And I just, <clears throat> excuse me, did a quick Google to see if I could figure out where it was. I was reading, <clears throat> there's one state that has something pending that would limit agents it's not said, it's not gone through, but it's in discussions, limit agents to being able to not charge a commission above 50% of the seller's equity. Um, and the premise was that yep. for sellers who only bought the home a year ago and who may not have equity, that they shouldn't have to be upside down to sell the home um, or take it as a loss on the commission aspect of things, which is just, again, I, it's an, an interesting interesting thing that could potentially put those sellers at a deficit. Well, but like, what about a short sale negotiator then, right? Are they allowed to charge a fee? Cause they charge fees <laughs> to, you know, get people out of hundreds of thousands of dollars of debt. But right. like it's, it's, you're picking and choosing here. And I think this is where the, the problem is. And I'm not saying any of this is right or wrong, but you can't have like a one-off example here, but it doesn't apply to this industry. Right. And this is the road that we're going down, which, which is a little, you know, it's a little concerning. On well, injury attorney. You know, to flip it back to the attorneys, <laughs> right? You could be in an injury, out tons of money, medical bills, all this stuff. The injury attorney, when they get an award, is going to take, uh, you know, a significant chunk of that for for sure. So, I mean, I, you know, to your point, Lisa, on, on the that rule, I did see that rule. Um, you know, it's a market, and and if you want to put yourself in the best position to sell, sometimes you got to make that choice to lose a couple points, you know, whatever the commission is mm -hmm. to, to be able to get the sale on your timeline, as opposed to not being able to navigate the process. And, you know, sometimes time is worse than just taking, ripping the bandaid off in the beginning. So we're all in agreement, DOJ's, th this is probably going to happen, high mm -hmm. likelihood, yeah. right? Um, I'm also sources air quote sources are telling me okay uh exclusive bam sources are telling me dhhs is probably going to settle any at any moment it could happen they're an active settlement discussions i think that's obvious you don't even need a source to tell you that um so when they settle 
Now it's just NAR left. Notorious ROB reported, um, and, and Housing Wire used him as sources for saying that NAR does not have the liability the insurance to cover yeah. this thing. So um, really, does does at this point, you've got a wounded NAR standing there as the lone duck. You've got DOJ breathing down their neck. Are they going to be able to make, you know, check the box on every rule that they want the way they want it? Or is NAR going to have any impact on lobbying influence on how this is structured? So sources tell me, Byron, that all these companies, and th th this is actually very real, um, all these companies settled because they they typically they settled to the maximum amount they could get out of the insurance company. That was the source that that, that like that's why the numbers have been kind of all over the place. Michael Ketchmark actually came out and said we got as much as we could from each of these companies. Yeah. So yeah. it's and it's based why Berkshire's taking limits. longer because they think you know Uncle Warren's <clears throat> going to come bail them out with a bigger number. But go but go on. So sources tell me that's why they settled. I I read this. <clears throat> excuse me. I read this article. Did they really only have? a million dollars of maximum coverage like is, is that even possible for the nao i mean that's that's ridiculous to me that seems ridiculous i, I can't imagine this is it this is on bam so uh in uh, munchow whoever that is uh the uh nar's deputy general counsel and vice president of legal affairs confirmed that for lawsuits challenging cooperative compensation practices on the mls nar has reached our maximum coverage limit of one million dollars under nar's primary policy yeah, I can't months. imagine that was a good decision by anybody. But they, you know, they never thought anything would really happen to hmm. to where their place is. Yeah, neither did Blockbuster so, Video, and look what happened to them. I mean, like, give me a break. It, well, uh, on on the Blockbuster thing, and this might be a good segue into, you know, Remax shaking things up um, <laughs> from the CEO level. Not not saying Remax is. I'm just saying, I think some of these big big brokerages. To Ryan Surhan's point, when I sat down and did a pot with him, are going to have a much harder time retraining, you know, 100,000 plus agents or getting, you know, if you have 100,000 agents, you got 50,000 that are dead weight, you know, getting, you know, large numbers of agents like that to level up and you're going to have, you know, smaller, broker powerful teams, boutique brokerages, independents like Lisa that are going to have the upper hand to move their speedboat around these slow, lethargic cruise ships and make the moves necessary to be in position. Nick Bailey uh, just uh, announced yesterday, Remax announces that he's departing. Uh, Amy L Lessinger, Tom, is that how you say it? Lessinger? I, I learned her name yesterday. So you yeah, just learned her name. Who it is, yes. Tom's a Remax agent, Remax agent so we're going to make him uh, – sure you know, react to this. She's promoted to president. Nick Bailey's out. I've spent time with Nick Bailey. Tom, you and I have done a yeah. pod two years ago with Nick at the Swanapol summit. I did another pod one-on-one -on -one with him last year. You can find both of those on uh, now bam YouTube channel. I think he's one of the most brilliant operators in our space. Uh, first of all, he's one of the best spokespeople f in, in terms of listening to him in the industry mm -hmm. uh he's been an agent so he's like a gino where he's been on the ground floor he's worked his way up he's charismatic uh he's got he's got good insights and he's out seemingly just because of a leadership change tom what's the 
feeling at Remax? Are you shell shocked? Um, Kleenex, what's involved here? So I was surprised. I got an email at 419 yesterday that said, hey, he's out. And these other people that are stepping up, Amy Lessinger, there's Abby Lee, who um, we, we, we've known for a while. She's been with the company for a while. My, my, my father's one of the original broker owners, just to give everyone some perspective. So that's back in the mid-1980s. I liked Nick a lot. Um, I thought he was dynamic. I thought he was the leader that the company needed, breaking away from the, you know, the, the founder syndrome that a lot of companies have because Dave Leninger was running the show for so long. They tried it with Adam Contos. I don't think he resonated with a lot of people. Um, Byron, you mentioned you and I met with Nick. I've had some conversations uh, with him off the air, uh, off, you know, off pods or whatever else. And I was excited about Nick. Then all of a sudden, this changes. And it's like, hey, surprise. I'm getting texts from a couple people at our company like, hey, Nick Bailey's out. You know, it's one of these things where they looked at uh, Remax had taken, uh, had taken a loss over the past six quarters. So I think this had a lot to do with financials more than anything else. Um, I have said to Remax leadership, you guys know about this. This isn't anything new that you might need to reimagine the brand a little bit and get a little more creative in attracting agents because Remax has seen some big people leave. Um, Chris mm -hmm. Lindahl comes to mind, right? Powerhouse agent. He went out on his own. They've kept people like Gary Ashton um, and, it, you know, for a while, they were not team friendly until the last four or five years, which I think is a mistake, uh, given the way the, you know, the way the team landscape has changed. So I do think that, um, you know, that they, they were going in the right direction, but it, it, they changed. I mean, Nick Bailey's been in this seat for what, two years? Like, it, and it's, you know, most companies took a loss last year because it was one of the worst years for real estate ever. So I think that might be a little bit of a rash judgment. Um, I, you know, I mean, Dave, my my view, Dave Leninger is still pulling the strings. I mean, I just I don't I don't think he can let go when he's behind all these decisions. And well, Dave I, Dave Leninger was quoted in the now BAM piece. I am delighted to recognize Amy, Abby, and Susie for their accomplishments. They're exceptional leaders who have each played a meaningful role in our company's success by tirelessly promoting our strong brands and supporting our our highly productive networks. To your point, though, Tom, if there's six consecutive quarters of losses that are mounting up, and this is where I'm like. Okay, they settled. That was a big cash hit to to Remax. Obviously, I thought it was smart to settle. By the way, I liked the settlement as a Remax agent. They got it done early, yeah. and they've been focusing on selling mm -hmm. houses, which everyone listening should be focused on instead of worrying about this stuff. Keep going. I would say I would say that that was a win for Nick Bailey to navigate to a settlement. Um, but to your point, Dave Leninger, he may be looking at the six quarters of losses and be like, okay, do we have another six after paying the settlement of losses? to survive even though this is a 50 plus year old brand that you know to your point about blockbuster that may not matter when you have a high interest rate environment you just paid out a big settlement you're continuing to here's what I, what, what I want to ask both of you do you think a name at you know as legendary as this or a new name who has made huge movement you know, bar, you know, one of these big, powerful names, let's call it the top five here. Do you see one? Do you see one of them falling as we move forward through everything that's going on? Since April, we have uploaded new and sought after courses, content and tactical assets for your business into the BAMX platform, not articles behind a paywall that only pontificate to you what you should think and do but education that actually shows you how to do what you need in today's market. 
Every day, we continue to add more content into BAMX and our private Facebook community, content that works, content that our members have exclusive access to daily. It's why over 1,500 of you and climbing have joined us in BAMX. It's also why tomorrow's price is guaranteed to be higher than today's. That's called inflation. Do not wait any longer. Use code KNOWLEDGEBROKERS and join the thousands of agents taking their business to the next level today. Code KNOWLEDGEBROKERS for 10% off. See you in BAMX. What do you think, Lisa? You're in the exact opposite spot here. Yeah. Um, I Look, I believe indies are going to come out of this stronger than ever. I think that there's a lot to be said for independence. And I think that... I think the whole landscape is changing. That's uh, that's my take on it. What does it mean exactly? I'm not 100% clear on it yet. I think that things are going to shake out a little bit more over the next six to 12 months. But I'm clear that I probably have a slight advantage in a bunch of different levels. Um, and it, it's interesting because I think size also matters. I think that there's something to be said for, I don't know, messy middle. But I don't even think I'm messy middle. I think I'm I'm not small, right? But I'm not large. And I think that there's well, something to be said. I, I think for that. organizationally you'd be on the smaller side relative to a Remax, right? So compared, I think compared to the global brands. Yeah. Compared to the global brands. Um so I agree with you, Lisa. I think the independence, which when we're comparing to these, you know, BHHS, mm-hmm. Remax, uh, Realogy Anywhere, whatever, you know, we're comparing to that compass. Obviously, almost every indie in the country is going to be considered small, um, right? So, and that's where I'm saying, like, one of these big names to me, somebody's not going to make it through here. And, you know, one of the big names that could emerge um, would be one of maybe these big portals. I think Zillow's in an interesting spot, um, you know, know, with how their comp model is going to end up working out moving forward homes could be in a unique position uh there's i think there's gonna be a two-headed race there and we'll see what that suit we'll see what that looks like but i don't get the impression that one of these legendary brands um or brands that have been you know a global brand or a national powerhouse brokerage is going to use this or or gain from this in a way that they are undeniably the apple of the business that they're going to run away with the consumer's heart. I don't see that happening. I, I, I agree with you hundred percent. And one of the things that I always say in be it a recruiting conversation or whatever is consumers never choose a brand. A consumer chooses an agent. Um, so I think that you're hundred percent correct there. I, I agree long-term. I don't know that all these big brands are there, but I don't know that there's any that are, in enough trouble yet for it to be an imminent how about that well lisa you you said it right and i I think you look at even just look at our three markets right there's some big brands that are stronger in some markets than others right and Mm -hmm. and that's because of the leadership at the local level and really what i what i see happening here and, and i tend to agree that i think the companies that have the ability to pivot to you know zig and zag and move briskly instead of having to wait for the corporate approval and can we do this and do we have to run this up the flagpole well it's going to be too late and the way this is moving how fast i mean the doj came out of nowhere a lot of people didn't expect that this is happening very quickly now 
companies that can move and I would put teams in this category. I mean, teams have, have the ability to do that in, in, in a lot of ways. It's the local leadership, right? Because I mean, for every Remax that's, you know, we, we have a strong Remax brand here. You go to other markets, Remax doesn't even exist. Like they don't have the right leadership there. That's just how it is. And so with, with that, it's going to be, how do you attract more leaders to these companies? And there's some brands here that, you know, have, that they, they attract the same kind of agent over and over that are maybe doing three, four deals a year. And, and, and that's just, and it's kind of like a running joke and that's in every market. I, I would say, yeah. I think that that's 100%. pretty accurate. So it's going to be about the local leadership because, you know, as great as Nick Bailey was, I mean, Byron, this happened. I look at it. I'm like, Oh, great. New president in. How's that changed my life? Right. And how's that changed my business plan? And it doesn't because I know what I need to do every day. I know how we need to attack things. Now, if there's some corporate changes that happen, sure, but that's going to come down the pike later. It's not going to, it's like when a new president gets elected, nothing happens for the first year and a half anyway, and nothing typically happens because these people can't agree on anything. I think the other side of it, it, to your point on the leadership aspect, I think leadership is one part of it. I think the other side of it is just the ability to pivot an entire business for the agents. I look at the three of us and what we've done or been doing realistically for maybe the past 12 months. Um, with a focus on listings, right? And it's such a big focus that involves lead gen. It, it's not just training, right? It's the training, it's mm -hmm. the lead gen, it's the it's all the different components that go into that. Accountability, and I, inspection. I mean, there, there's a lot to yeah. it. Yeah, and it's just, I like I'm clear that any company that doesn't have that level of focus on listings and isn't helping their agents attract listings is probably in a little bit of trouble financially over the next let's say 2025 and 2026. I think 2024 will kind of shake out with buyer agency relatively unchanged, right? I think we're all pretty clear that things are gonna kind of, it's gonna take a while for that impact to be far reaching. But um, I think if there's not a huge pivot to listings in 25 and 26 and to training agents to sell the, the value on the buyer side, it's gonna be tough. So, so listing lead generation, you know, companies that listing lead generation training deep in the community, because that's how you obviously elevate your listing status yeah. and or and or luxury price points right. are, are going to be the two kind of shops that are um, able to get out of this in the best situation. Yeah. Like I look at it, think back to some of the text conversations the three of us were having this morning about um it, just the the trouble with it. And, and look, I think all three of us run amazing businesses with great accountability and some of the best agents in the business. And I look at like where the balls are being dropped and the ability to get agents to do a high level of follow up for and what we're taking on as companies in order to run that follow up for a year. And I, I look at Coldwell Banker, I look at Keller Williams, Remax, Compass, any of the big ones. They don't have the bandwidth and the structure to do the level of nurture that we know is actually going to be what it takes to keep the listing funnel going. Well, th that's a great point because the, the listing funnel to me, and, and this is probably one of the areas I'm, I, I would say I'm strongest in, 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 you know, in, in terms of our business, the listing funnel starts where everyone gets the education, right? They, they start off, they learn like, okay, here's all the lead pillars. And maybe there's some yeah. stuff you test, but it's basically the same stuff we've, we've heard, at least I've heard the past 20 some years. Then there's the taking action part. And that's where everyone stops, right? They just take yep. action. They, they don't inspect. They don't look at what's going on. They don't have a long-term view. And then it doesn't work after like a couple weeks and they just move on to something else. And mm -hmm. this is the challenge because a lot of times they move on to what's like the quick hit. And 
the, the anything that gives you like immediate gratification in your business is probably really bad for the health of the business long term, right? Think about if you go out and you want to like eat like a big juicy cheeseburger, you're gonna be feeling that the next couple of days instead of having like a kale salad and going to the gym. And it may not be fun, but long term, it's gonna it's gonna build health, right? So the inspection and the understanding of this is a long term game, and there's gonna be conditions where people want to explore. Right. We were talking about um, uh, uh, someone I forget, it was one of the prospects, Lisa, but we had the same conversation with uh, an agent on our team. His daughter's graduating in June. Right. That's the earliest this guy's ever going to even think about moving. And you can't just say, all right, well, I'm going to call you in June. No, you've got to have follow up steps in between. There's got to be communication there, because if you think you're the only agent they're talking to, that's not going to work. Byron, mm -hmm. you talk about community presence, right? The local brand matters. And the more that gets going, the more conversations that are there. And that's why the inspection is really important because then you can recommit to the stuff that maybe you missed the first time around, like the handwritten note follow-up, the personalized videos, so many different things you can do. And the listing funnel, if you get away from it, right? You know what the alternative is? Go work with a lot of buyers. And that is, there's so such a lack of control with buyers right now. You could write the best offer ever and compete against 26 others. This happened to us over the weekend. There's 25 losers in that situation, right? You could you could do everything right and still lose. You get a listing, you have control. And that's the biggest difference in the business. And a lot of people don't want to commit to how long it takes to develop that skill. The, the difficulty of the market is going to matter as well. New York City is going to have very little impact. On, or, you know, There's going to be very little impact to the brokerage community in New York City on any of this stuff because it's a difficult market to navigate from a consumer perspective. It's a, it's a different, it's, it's one of the few markets in America that is so unique to itself that there's going to be insulation there. So if you're in a complicated market, more difficult market, there's going to be insulation inside of that. If you're in an easy market where transactions are a little more obvious, a, a little easier for the consumer um, you know, to navigate, it's going to come down to that community brand, that, that real, uh, dominant presence of being able to connect all the other dots that are hard, the moving and the, uh, you know, all of that, all of that kind of stuff. Um, my advice here, when you're thinking about how just to tie this all in together, when you're thinking about the DOJ, um, you know, decoupling lawsuits is where we started the conversation. And you're thinking about your own situation and your own brokerage relationship. I, at this point, I wouldn't be signing any long-term type of non-competes for, I think Tom said it, for some type of short-term gain on your business. I'd be staying fluid because you don't want to be on the ship that's heading towards the iceberg with three years left on your deal. Okay, well, if the iceberg hits and they go under, then yeah, but you're going to have to wait that whole mess out. You know, if you see the iceberg coming and, and there's one of these little speed boats pulling upside and you can jump off and get on it, you're going to want to be able to do it. You need to stay flexible um, as an independent contractor today to be able to navigate this. Well, think about these people that get locked up with these signing bonuses, right? It's a very heavy recruiting <laughs> environment now. I mean, I've seen liens <clears throat> placed against houses. I've seen clawback language. I mean, it, it's very aggressive. And, you know, as, as as my view as a leader, it's our job to keep re-recruiting people all the time. So I, I have a hard time with those long-term agreements. And it's usually in place because of a lack of value. 
I was talking to one right now, and she's like, I, I got $5,000 I'd have to pay to Coldwell. I'm like, yeah, and? I mean, what? <laughs> you're doing no business. I mean, just, yeah. <laughs> I mean, what, what, it doesn't even make a difference, you know? So um, <laughs> these $5,000 that are holding people back from their future because they took 5000 18 months ago from CB and they got six months left on the deal. It's like what you are thinking so backwards on your business plan. Well, closing one sale solves that. And if you get in the right environment, that can show you how to go hunt, right? It's the whole, it's the, it's the old thing. You, you can be a gatherer or you can be a hunter, right? And if you get in an environment that shows you how to go out and do deals constantly, that's where to me the local leadership comes in and the listing training, like we talked about. It, it, it's 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 such a no brainer because if you like, it's like teaching someone how to fish, right? Like you can, if you if you can teach someone how to list, like you're just you're, you're golden. Yeah. All right. What else we got? That's that's it. all you got, Tom. That's, that's all we got. That's what Tom's got. That's right. it. There's a lot, a lot to talk about here. I mean, we can go through all the economic stuff. You guys covered that with Logan last week. We did. Yeah. Just a quick <laughs> shout out. If you missed last week's pod. We'll put it in the link down below. It's one of the best pods we've ever done, not just because Tom sat it out, but because Logan was so insightful. He shared so much in the pod, and I've gotten a bunch of great feedback from that. So I'd encourage you to go either listen a second time or if you missed it, go and give that one a re give that one a listen from from last week with Logan Motoshami. He'll be back, Tom. So no worries. He wants he wants to chat with you. I, I talked to him. I mean, I'm I'm glad he was able. You know, you got a, you got a replacement that was of my caliber. For the for the yeah, pot, oh, I think yeah. I missed one other of these, and you got Logan Motoshami to fill in. Lisa just doesn't show up. We don't have her. We don't have a replacement for her. But Logan Motoshami batting back up. I'll, I'll take that. That's great. It, his hair was better than yours, though. Well, that's not hard. Mine's, oh, mine's yeah. falling out. He's got an excellent mane of hair. I, I would I would I would love to have that. All right, there you go. We'll be back next week, right? Let's do it. All right, guys. See you. Have a good weekend. Bye.